It's time to write a new story. This is Success Stories with Madison Piper. It's the place where women discuss how to make an impact. Here's your host, Madison Piper. Hello, everyone. I am so glad that you are here for this conversation today because today we talk about one of my favorite topics and arguably one of the more important topics that we have on this podcast, and that is the topic of self-worth. Knowing your worth can be really, really hard. I think we can all agree on that. And sometimes we think we know our worth and we think we're demanding the things that we deserve in life, but we're really just pretending and putting on a facade that we have it all figured out when the truth is we feel worthless inside and are investing our energy into all of the wrong things. Doing this eventually leads us to bottom. I think that many people listening to this podcast right now, including myself, have been there. But sometimes bottom shows us who we really are and who we want to be. It teaches us to recognize our value and live a life of health and abundance and demand what we're actually worth for ourselves. And that's exactly what we talk about today. Today, we bring in an award-winning entrepreneur, a personal branding expert, and the founder and CEO of Simply Be Agency and the author of Be, Jessica Zweig. Jessica is a really accomplished woman, as I just said, and listed all of her accomplishments. She has a lot of accolades and, and accomplishments that prove she's taken the time to figure it all out, to start her business, write a book, and impact the lives of women everywhere. But there was also a time period where she had to step back and take a hard look at her life. That's when she learned how to just be. So that's what we talk about today. And I'm so excited to bring her in. And honestly, I was looking so forward to this conversation that I recorded at six. So as you listen, try your hardest to ignore my raspy voice and tune into all of the wonderful lessons she has to share. Jessica, thank you for joining us here today on the Success Stories podcast. We are so excited to have you. Thank you for having me, Madison. I'm super excited to be here. Well, I'm excited because I know that I got to speak with you on the success room. And for our listeners who haven't tuned into that, that's a live series that we run on our Instagram account. Um, And that was a great conversation, but something that really, really made me really want to pull you into this podcast is the fact that you focus on self-worth so much, especially in your book, Simply Be. So first of all, I want to ask you what it means to simply be and why that's the name that you picked for your company and for your book. Yeah. My, my agency is simply be agency and the book is mm-hmm. just the word be, be. Right. So it sort of mm-hmm. distills down the essence of, of the message, I guess. And you know, it's such a good question. I ask people this all the time and it's been a minute since someone's asked me, you know, it's really this experience of being perfectly good and okay with who you are and where you are. I have a little tattoo on my wrist that says simply be that really had been there in my twenties for years and years. And it wasn't until to be frank, I had a full on nervous breakdown after really experiencing a lot of stress and trauma and and toxicity and um, lack of worth that I finally saw the tattoo. Like it finally looked at me and I heard what it was really trying to say. And I was attempting to do all of these things to kind of compensate for who I believed I I needed to be or wasn't enough of. And when I allowed myself to just take a breath and hear sort of my inner guidance say, it's okay, Jessica, to just stop doing all of that and, and be. 
And that, in fact, is where your greatest power and strength lies, is when you trust that who you are being and where you are is enough. And that's when my whole life changed, to be honest. And so I still practice simply being, you know, as my business has grown and my life has evolved, it can be, it can be even hard still when you're filled with a sense of worth and, and success, right. To trust that you don't have to do as much and you don't have to try as hard. You can allow and let, let things come to you and to be the recipient versus the pusher and the doer. And so simply being is the experience I believe of trust, of trusting that, who you are without anything else attached to it is enough. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's what my, my whole biz- biz- business and mission is, is all about. That's, you know, it's such a, a beautiful message, like as a whole to just simply be and to be, because I feel like everybody's always trying to be more, yeah. you know, it's like where you are isn't enough. What you have isn't enough. The job you have isn't enough. The car, the money, like you always want to be more. And when you're always striving for that more, it's so hard to be happy where you are. If you don't mind me asking though, what was that like nervous breakdown that you just told us about? Like what happened? Of course you can ask that. Um, so I had been running my first business for about seven, well, five and a half years at that point. I, I run my first business for seven years total. I'm currently simply be my second rodeo. And, um, I had been, you know, a really young first time entrepreneur and I started a, an online magazine for women in the city of Chicago at the age of 27 and it blew up and it became the hottest online, you know, go to social sort of scene and be seen magazine in the city. And it was a really beautiful time. It was a ride. You know, we covered all of the hottest restaurants and nightlife and, you know, arts and culture, fashion, fitness. It was a really, really dope, honestly dope magazine. And we reached over a hundred thousand readers and it was all organic first time go kind of, I call that lightning in a bottle. Cause I was so green. Um, and it, it became this really well-known platform, but that was sort of the, the crux, right? I was green and I didn't really know how to run a business. And I certainly didn't know how to manage money or lead a team or be a true partner. I had a business partner at the time. And I think, you know, it was successful because of some sheer talent and, you know, instinct and gumption, but there was a, a real challenge and shadow side to that experience. And I had been really come, I'd come to this place to be frank. And it's, you know, what I teach and preach is authenticity that period of my life was probably the most inauthentic I had ever been. Like I had become this persona, if you will, of this like socialite, you know, founder of this sparkly magazine in Chicago. And everyone thought I was so cool. And so therefore I thought I was so cool and was really running from an unconscious ego. I should say running from a, running my life and business from a place of unconscious ego. And we were broke inside that business. Um, there was so much toxicity. My business partner and I did not get along. My staff had all quit one day on the same day. Um, we were chasing checks. I was constantly getting sick. I was a party girl, right? So I was going out six nights a week, drinking way too much, not taking care of my body. And I 
kind of couldn't keep up with it anymore because the, the like perception on the outside was so different than what was happening on the inside. And I had gotten physically so sick that I crashed and I couldn't work. And I was at home one day stuck in my apartment from the sickness. And I was like, I got to get out of my house, left my house, went to a park and just broke down. Like, I'll never forget that day. That was a, that was the day that I had heard this inner voice about this like moment on my wrist. I was trying to meditate, looking down at it. I'm like, Oh, this, this voice that I'm hearing, it's, I think that's my inner guidance system. I think that's my highest self. And it was really speaking to me loud and clear because I had been running so hard, so fast, uh, unconsciously that I couldn't hear it. And I just couldn't, I couldn't hold up the facade. I couldn't hold up the lie. I couldn't hold up the, um, just the being so out of alignment with what people thought I was versus what I really was. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to live that way anymore. And I, I needed like a true crisis, um, for me to break down, to break through. And that was really the start of what you see today, which was, you know, took a long time to transition through it, but that was really definitely the impetus of, of my, my journey. You know, I feel like hitting rock bottom is so hard, Yeah, but like, that's what creates like the most prominent changes in our lives when you hit that point at bottom like there's nowhere to go but up I know that sounds cliche but it's it's the truth but I think that like that facade that you're talking about especially for if we have women in their 20s or maybe early 30s listening to this who have fallen into that culture of like the party girl culture it's so crazy how glamorized that is to like sit and try to like fit in with that lifestyle. And it's impossible. You cannot do that and then be like a, a professional put together, you know, like you can on the outside, but on the inside you are running on fumes. Yeah. Like Instagram and all of these people and, you know, people in Hollywood and influencers glamorize that that's what you need to be doing. And you need to be going out and you need to be drinking and you need to be doing all of this stuff. But then when it comes to actually running your life and the things that are important, you're drained. Is that how you felt? Oh my, I love that you said this. Yes. Like, in fact, I look back at it, those, those days of my life and I don't know how I did it. Like I went out late drinking most nights of the week. And then I'd wake up the next day and go to work. And there was a part of me for a minute was like, I'm a superstar. I'm a rock. I can handle it. Like, but then Mm -hmm. if I really am honest with myself, Madison, like I was so depressed. I was physically sick all the time. I was, um, bloated and overweight. Not that it's about vanity, but like my body was responding in a way. It was like, this is, I don't like this. And I was not happy. Like I was, I was always like in a bad mood. I was not fun to be around. I was easily triggerable. Like there was, you know, I was, I was down because it's alcohol is a downer, you know, and Mm -hmm. we kind of just run with the pack. Like everyone, oh, everyone in my social circle parties, everyone in my life and my age group is going out, you know, and doing this. So why, of course, this is a thing to do when we don't stop and actually question like, is this really in my highest, best use of time and service to my career, to 
what I'm really trying to do with my life. And I didn't really ever stop and ask myself that. I I mean, rightfully so, I was having a really good time to some degree, Mm -hmm. but I just think that there's, and, and then on top of it, you've got social media to your point where we're like feeling the FOMO and we're looking at everyone else riding this lifestyle. And we think that that's what we're um, supposed to be doing. And, you know, I love that you want to talk about worth because when we think about it, if we aren't coming from a clear sense of self-worth and like self-sovereignty, like this is my, this is my life and I have Mm -hmm. control over this and I am going to be discerning and I'm going to hold boundaries and I'm going to fill up my own cup in ways that really nourish me first. If we're not, if we're outsourcing all of that power, we're going to, we're going to make really, I think, unconscious at the least choices and at the, at the worst, really destructive choices. And Mm -hmm. I, I really encourage young women in their twenties and thirties to really be with themselves, to get really clear and still with what it is that really truly makes them feel alive and Mm -hmm. just to really take an honest assessment and stock of the choices they make, the people that they're spending time with, the, the counts that they're following right? And if it's not building you up, but it's taking you down or making you question or feel less than, or that you have to hustle for, prove this, you probably need some new friends. You probably need to follow some new accounts. Uh, I cut out alcohol about five, six years ago um, because of my health. Uh, My doctor was like, you have to stop drinking, not because you have an alcohol problem, but because you have an autoimmune disease. And if you don't stop drinking, you'll just continue to get sick. And Mm -hmm. so I cut alcohol out of my life. And I'll tell you that I've never had more fun. I've never felt happier. I've never felt more vibrant. Like that's a whole other episode, (laughs) but having, you know, having, getting right with your relationship with that is, uh, I think a huge vehicle for empowerment and, and Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, self-worth. You know, I think with alcohol specifically, I know that we're we're going to talk about self-worth. That's what this episode is all about. But I feel like this is such an interesting topic because like I said, it's so glamorized. Yeah. You see it everywhere. The That lifestyle, every time that you go to dinner with your friend, you need a boomerang, a drink on Instagram, you know, put it on your stories. You want to go out and look, and look cute. You want to have the champagne. Like it's like this lifestyle of like alcoholism is so normal. I know. It's so normal and it's so unhealthy. And a lot of these people, you know, I had an aha moment in in my life at one point too, where I was like, I don't want to drink anymore. I mean, if I'm celebrating, you know, a a wedding or a friend, you know, cheers to the glass of champagne, but like, I just could not keep up with that lifestyle and live the life that I actually wanted. I had to choose. I, I had to either choose you know, my validation on Instagram and through my peers and through like keeping up with what other people expected from me, or I had to choose the life that I wanted for myself. And I feel like, you know, the social media aspect that plays into it a lot, especially with, you know, I'm, I'm on the cusp of Gen Z and millennial. Okay. I'm on the, the border. Some people say I'm Gen Z, some people say millennial, but I'm that last year. 
And I grew up in a generation that never didn't have social media. I got an Instagram when I was a junior in high school. So, you know, it's always kind of been there. But with that, there's so much validation that comes with social media. And I see people pouring their lives into that. And instead of pouring into all of the other areas that are actually real, um, because the likes, because the comments, because the engagement, because of the stuff that they see on social media that makes them feel like they are worthy of something. So that said, I want to touch a little bit on social media and self-worth. Is that something that you've ever struggled with or maybe that you've seen people struggle with, especially in like a personal branding world? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm a bit of a dinosaur in the space of, of social. I'm, you know, I'm 40. <laughs> so I've been around a minute and I started my career in 2008 when I ran my magazine. That was the first, that was the year we launched it which is crazy to think about. And, um, and so this was back in the day when like Facebook and Twitter were the only games in town and Instagram didn't even exist yet. And there was no such thing as Pinterest or Snapchat or TikTok. Like I've been around a minute. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. I've always seen, I, when I first got on social, I was, I was like, this isn't going to be a place I keep up with my high school friends. This is going to be a place that I utilized to market my business. Like it was, I clearly mm-hmm. got it as an entrepreneur. I'm like, this is a vehicle to reach free audience. Like how dope is this? So I've never, um, you know, I got into it as a marketer. Whereas I think a lot of people get into it to keep up with their friends and to create mm-hmm. that like social connection, social media. I think that it's really, I mean, become ex- extremely complicated the relationships that we have with social media. I wrote about this in my book, right? There's a lot of toxicity. There's a lot of danger regarding, you know, bullying and young girls, you know, feeling like they have to change their faces when they're 16 years old to look like a filter. I mean, the, the horrible things that are happening to kids. My friend has a daughter who's 12, who's watching all of her friends on Snapchat get together without her. I mean, could you imagine at 12 years old? I didn't even, mm. I didn't have to deal with that. And I had it pretty tough at 12 regardless, right? Because kids yeah. can be mean. And I think that we really have to take our power back on social media. I think people really forget like, you know, this is a curated experience that you get to own and you get to control. And the people that you follow in your feed and on your story slider and, you know, the people that you let into your LinkedIn scroll and the same thing with you have control over everything. And so if there's people that are offending you, hurting you, upsetting you, who you don't want to know what you're doing, like bless, block, mute, they're all powerful functions that we, I think, don't take advantage of. And we let ourselves get sucked into the kind of addictive nature of how it all can kind of take us take us through these emotions of feeling mm-hmm. compare par- comparisonitis and FOMO and less than and imposter syndrome and whatnot. And I just, I think we really have to do our own work off of social media, like truly like work with a therapist, build up your beautiful soul circle of friends, like know who you are in your work and your career. Like if you can do, um, and, and then some love up on your family, like feeling all of this sense of completion and sense of self-identity outside of social media, though when we come to social media, you're strong enough to be like, yo, that's, that's not 
that's not my type of person next block, Mm -hmm. you know, or I'm going to have enough self-awareness, you know, to know like, Oh, I'm feeling triggered right now by this really beautiful, successful girl on online right now. That's nothing to do with her. That's everything. My, my reaction to her has everything to do with me and the the projection I'm putting against her or out at her has less to do with who she is and everything to do with, with who I am. And that's, Mm -hmm. that really takes work like beyond Instagram. And I'm here to encourage everyone to start there and, and then consider their relationship with social media. Because I think if we come to it unconscious and wounded and not filled with our own sense of worth and identity, we're going to have a really tough time on social media. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I like that you, it does make sense. It makes total sense. I'm, I really like that you put it that way because it, it almost puts it in a way like the relationship with you comes first. The relationship that you have with yourself is first. If that's not strong, then you're going to be in a mess. Totally. Totally. When you, you enter that other world. So you have to start with that. And, you know, we talked about earlier, the rock bottom that you hit in order to find your self-worth. I think a lot of people share relatable stories, maybe not that exact one, but a lot of people discovered their worth, unfortunately, through having someone or something destroy it. Right. Um, and that's when they picked it up and they, they realized that they have value and that their value isn't what they were putting it in and that they're valuable people. So flash forward, you've discovered your self-worth and now you have a whole personal brand, a company, a book, a podcast based on this topic of, of worthiness and simply being. But I want to ask you, cause I think the next phase that a lot of people struggle with once they find their self-worth is, knowing the difference between self-worth and net worth and knowing that they're not, you know, mutually exclusive. And I know that's something that you talk about in your book. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I actually just did a podcast called five killer tips on how to make money like a goddess. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a fun episode to create. And I talk all about the, the, how it translates from, you know, self-worth to net worth and they are totally intrinsically connected. You know, I'll, I'll take you back. This is just like a, like a silly random story, but one that, that changed my life when I was 17 and in high school, I was in the theater department and I was senior and I was, you know, always going out for the leads and auditioning for all the plays. And I would always get the cast in the ensemble, right? I never got the lead part and I was so frustrated and I was in the office of my acting teacher. And I remember him saying to me, Jessica, if you do not believe in yourself, no one else will. And I, I didn't believe I deserved the role. I, I believed every time I auditioned, I wasn't worthy of the lead, even though I wanted it. My energy and my mm. attitude and this like just way I was presenting myself, it was if I was expecting not to get it, even though I really wanted it because I myself didn't believe I could truly do it. And when he said that to me, he was like, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. I was like, well, God damn it. I'm going to start to believe in myself. I'm going to fake it. And I, um, I showed up to the next audition for that next main main stage play with that understanding in mind. And I got the lead and, um, I ended up going to school for acting. I graduated college and went into the, into theater as a, you know, a college student because 
I, I started believing in myself that much and the doors mm-hmm. just continued to open and I got into one of the most competitive acting schools in the country. Like, and it was that one conversation that my acting teacher had just like flipped, flipped the switch in my brain. And I don't want to oversimplify it, Madison, but it's like, you have to have this like internal sense of it's me. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I've got this. Cause if, and if you don't feel that way, if you don't at least fake it until you make it, because here's the truth. Most of us are faking it until we make it until we finally have made it. Like we kind of all just turn mm-hmm. it on and go for it anyway. There's no secret sauce or like hidden playbook. I mean, that's really what it takes. People mm-hmm. then start to feel that energy and then respond to that energy. And then you continue to sort of tr- take these steps of, of your, you know, building your business and charging a certain amount of money or, you know, asking for what you want. And these little micro actions start to build upon your own confidence. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. asking for that big opportunity or asking for that big rate is not as scary and is not as challenging. And the only person you find left questioning your value and your worth is you. And so the market and the the network that I've built, like all of these opportunities have just sort of continued to unfold for me because I, Jessica started showing up in a very specific energy of I'm worth this. This is, this Mm -hmm. is why not me? Like my acting teacher said, if you don't believe in you, then who is? So I've got to believe in me. I've got to believe in me. Like my life depends on it. And from there, opportunities start to really unfold. But most people are so afraid of taking that first step and even even taking it till you'll make it. And I know a lot of people hate mm-hmm. that term. I believe in that term to like the end of my life because I am a, a case study on what that looks like. I mean, you have to obviously follow through with integrity and, and do what you say you're going to do. But I went to school for theater. I was an actress. I cocktail waitress out of college. I I nannied, I tempt, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life for most of my twenties. And then I started to believe in myself and I built a seven figure business, a multi seven figure business, got a six figure book deal listed on Forbes as an expert, like all these things that I never thought I would ever accomplish until I started to believe that I could. And that Mm. was the, that was the, that was the only shift truly like that mm-hmm. internal sense of, of value. And yes, of course that took work and coaches and help and whatnot, but, and to have success under my belt that then allowed me to validate and verify to the next opportunity. Yeah, I've done this before now and I'm good at it and there's results to prove it, et cetera. But I had to start somewhere and mm-hmm. that is the hardest part of just choosing and making the decision that I fill in the blank of your own name, have value. And if you don't believe in that, no one else is going to. You know, I know that you said it was a silly story, but I don't think it is at all. I think I'm so glad that you brought it up because like those, those little moments, those words of advice that people give us, those are some of the most pivotal moments in our lives. Like even the simplest piece of advice can totally change our mindset, the way that we see things, and then change the trajectory of the direction that we're going, right? And I mean, you're right. You attract the opportunities that you think 
your worth. Mm -hmm. You can want all of the things in the world, but if you're sitting there going, well, you know, I don't know if I'm, I, I know how to do X, Y, and Z. I'm not the most capable person for the job. I really, really want it, but you know, I don't know if I deserve it. Then you're not going to get it. You have to believe that you do deserve it. And I, I saw something the other day on Instagram. It said, um, part of becoming an adult is realizing that nobody else knows what they're doing either. And that <laughs> <Yes>. really- <laughs> it's such a true, I've seen that. It's so true. So it's true. so true. <laughs> like, I mean, like, because everybody feels like that sense of imposter syndrome. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a really fancy name for it is imposter syndrome. Really, we're all just scared that we don't know enough. And we, you know, because none of us know enough. We're all just kind of faking it till we make it. You just have to get really, really good at that process. Do you think that you face imposter syndrome like still today now that you've kind of become like the expert in the field of personal branding? Of course I do. Yeah. I mean, most most days, no. You know, I think um, I have this realization, in fact, and I'm, I'm going to put this out there because I think people will relate. Like when it's a controlled environment, like when, you know, I host an event, for an example, and I have, you know, I sell a bunch of tickets and people come to see me, you know, I feel and I stand in front of a crowd and talk, for example. I don't feel imposter syndrome there because I know that those people have become dedicated enough to whatever it is I have to offer that they're, they're showing up specifically for me. But when I, let's say, get hired by a company to come in and talk in front of a bunch of three, you know, two, three hundred people who've never heard of me before, you know, imposter syndrome rears its ugly head in that moment because I'm like, these people don't know who I am. So I have to prove myself in that first two minutes that I'm the expert here. Even, you know, only one person knows that or felt that way enough to hire me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly in different environments where I'm navigating this sense of worth and this sense of belief in myself. And it, it's a, it's a pendulum and it will swing kind of just depending on the people who have, you know, who are in that space when I'm, you know, in my office, I'm the CEO of a company with 22 employees. Like I don't feel imposter syndrome there. Like they all work mm-hmm. for me. They trust me. They're my staff. You know, I, I own that kind of confidence <laughs> pretty clearly, but it will falter and, and shift if I'm in an environment where I, I don't feel that sense of, um, you know, trust and familiarity. And, and it really mm-hmm. does matter. I think the, um, the energy, like I'm a very spiritual person and I'm an intuitive and, and I'm very energetically sensitive. And so when I walk into an, a, a brand new space, I have to feel out the energy in order for me to feel com- like comfortable. You know, it's, I have to get mm-hmm. there early. I have to ground, I have to sort of sense the room. And if I don't do certain things, like I have certain practices, I don't think I show up as as confidently as I'd like to. So yeah, I mean, imposter syndrome is something we all face. I think that if you don't face it, I don't want to be, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but like you might be a narcissist. (laughs) You know, like if you don't ever feel like, am I really legit or am I here? You know, like we Mm -hmm. all have, we should always be continuing to strive, you know, to Mm -hmm. learn and grow and, and be, humbled by, you know, other experts and other people in the room and in our industries and spaces. I think that's really the, um, the the magic and the power of authenticity. Um, Mm -hmm. when you're really, really willing to own, like just because Forbes called me an expert doesn't mean I'm a superhuman and don't have 
questions and, you know, I, I don't have all the answers, right? I mean, I've, I've been mm -hmm. doing this long enough to know some things, but I'm also a constant student. You know, you've just told the, the story of like when you're speaking, mm -hmm. like you might get this sense of imposter syndrome standing in front of 200 people, right? Because you're like, I have to prove I'm the expert. But if you think about it, the people watching you are probably like, oh my gosh, I don't even know like if I deserve to be here because she knows all of this stuff and she is the expert and I don't know enough and there's, you know, so much to learn from her. So it's kind of funny, like yeah, the, totally. the, 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 difference in thought there because like everybody watching you is facing that imposter syndrome. You are facing that imposter syndrome and yet everybody's coming together and just pretending like it doesn't exist. Isn't that funny? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so it, when you really t turn the tables and think about mm -hmm. how everyone is sort of in their own frame of reference and we, we make such assumptions. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Such a good point. I'm going to remember uh, that. <laughs> um, okay. So I know that we have to wrap up soon and we're coming to the close of our conversation, but something that I really want to talk to you about before we do outside of self-worth is the power of personal branding. And just kind of, I want to gauge your insight on whether or not personal branding is strictly for entrepreneurs, authors, mm. creatives, or people who want to start a business, or if it's something that people should do in their everyday lives. I love this question. I feel that it is for all people who have a career. I think that, you know, obviously it's going to really serve you if you're an entrepreneur, an author, a creative, like you, you can't not have one, but I also don't mm -hmm. think you can't not have one if you're, let's say an entry-level employee working at a big corporation and you want to gr grow. I'm assuming you don't want to stay flat at, in that role for the rest of your career, right? You're going to want to grow up the ladder and you're going to want to maybe bounce around and go to different companies and I mean, I think the average young, ambitious woman that's listening to this podcast has that kind of trajectory. And so I would 100,000% encourage everyone to really consider what their brand identity is. It's really crafting and naming clearly and articulately what your reputation is. Like, what do you want people to know you for? What's your value prop? And then how do you express that consistently and constantly uh, whether that's in an online space through social media, blogging, creating an online presence for yourself, um, awareness in the media, if that's something that you feel like called to, um, and not forgetting that the offline kind of world is also where you're um, showing up. And that's not just speaking engagements, sitting on panels, networking events, et cetera, but just you know, how you, how you speak about yourself, how you treat people, how you dress, like these are all aspects and expressions of your personal brand that you have control over, that you get to empower yourself to really write this narrative, this perception of, of who you are in the marketplace, who you are in your company, who you are in your department inside of that organization. Um, many of our clients, so Simply Be works with individuals like those entrepreneurs and authors. We also work with companies. So our clients include Google and Pinterest and Salesforce and Motorola and Blackstone and Heineken. I mean, you, the list goes on and on. And we get hired to come in and teach at the corporate level internally employees how to have, you know, a personal brand. And, and, and that's starting from entry level, junior level staff to the C-suite and everyone in between. And I just, I cannot stress enough, like you will always be you. 
you're not always going to be, you know, junior manager of marketing at such and such company. You'll have that job title for maybe a year, two, three, four max, and then you're going to move on. And you will always be this asset that you can take in a proverbial quote unquote suitcase and open up all the doors ideally that you want because you've established such a beautiful um, position for yourself in the marketplace. And that's your personal brand. And so Mm -hmm. I could go on and on about it, but I love this question because I think a lot of people will will write it off like, oh, well, that's for people who want to be famous or um, are all about social media influence. And it's like, that's not me. I just want to work a job and make good money. Well, Mm -hmm. if you want that to be a, a true, you know, success for you. A personal brand is a vehicle that's only going to help you. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel, I feel like, like you're right. A lot of people feel like personal branding is like for the influencers. It's for the people who want to be known. It's for all of that. But I mean, I really like the way that you just put it. Like you are not going to be that junior marketing manager forever. And I feel like a lot of people find so much value and the title and they hyper fixate on that and like on that title and what that description is and what that role is instead of like who they are, how they're serving that, how they're going to grow out of that and everything. And I guess that's where like the personal branding comes into it, like really discovering like your mission and where you want to grow and, and what that looks like. And I guess how you can serve the company? Like once you have that personal brand established is, do you think that that helps like employers, um, companies, you know, recognize you for you a little bit more instead of just somebody doing a job? Absolutely. I mean, that is, it's so funny you asked this question. So we're, we're, you know, talking right now to, um, Google and they have a really, there's a team inside Google that is about 30 people. They're all relatively young. I'm, I really got to give credit to the leadership of this team for bringing them, you know, some, someone like simply be mm-hmm. in, but they're all, you know, young and they want to grow and they don't know how to communicate and advocate and articulate like their, their desires for growth. And the leadership recognizes that. And they're saying mm-hmm. them just doing a great job isn't enough. We need them to have a um, like a, a very lucid capacity to talk about themselves and to manage up and come to leadership and present ideas and to present what they want and where their future is going. And it wasn't, it was so interesting because they were saying to me, like, it's not enough to us, the leadership that they're doing a great job and their heads down, you know, thinking that that's going to be the thing that gets them the promotion or the switch to the department that they want, they have to themselves know how to pitch it and ask for it mm-hmm. and demonstrate it in a different type of, of way. And so I think it's a both and. I think that obviously you have to do your job well and perform, but it's the people that are willing to be seen, to have their voices heard, to you know be put a little bit out in the spotlight, even if it is internal that really, I think, win those opportunities. And I just, I think that, you know, people think of personal branding as this pure marketing and, you know, sort of social media driven type of function. When I think it's really an act of empowerment, it's really Mm -hmm. a personal empowerment, like knowing 
your brand is knowing your value. It's knowing your worth. I say that in my book. It's really so much more than just knowing how to tell a great story. It's understanding what makes you, you, why you're awesome, why you're brilliant. You know, this isn't an exercise in ego, but it's not an exercise Mm -hmm. in sheer humility at all either. You have to own your greatness. You have to really own what makes you, you and why no one else can, can touch it because there's only one you and what a beautiful thing. And when you're able to really craft that into a, a clarified story that you can tell is coming from your heart, from your confidence, that makes people receive you and, mem- and remember you so much more effectively. And of course, you're going to have moments of imposter syndrome, like we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, and it ebbs and it flows, and we continue to always grow. That's Another thing I kind of want to take out of people's minds, like owning what makes you amazing doesn't mean you're like, you're not like a a turkey and you're like cooked and you're done and you know, like you are ever evolving and you Mm -hmm. have to just own that process. So I, I cannot stress enough. I mean, I, I'm very blessed. I get to go into lots of different companies and, and talk to employees and see the pain point that leadership has. Like, the people who, you know, cut these checks and bring me in, they're investing in their people because they want their people to understand how amazing they are and to own their value because it powers their business. Like mm-hmm. it, it helps their business grow. Like they're not having to do it all. Their people are empowered to drive it mm-hmm. through their own sense of, of, of worth. Truly. It's really mm-hmm. what it comes down to. So I think it's a both and for sure. I think that's a really empowering way to put it because I feel like a lot of people have a misconception about personal branding that it's all external, yep. right? But what you're saying is a lot of it is internal. A lot of it, like we've talked about this whole podcast, is knowing your value, knowing your worth, and and understanding how you can you know better the world, better the company, and what you bring to the table and being willing to speak on that, being confident enough to step up and speak on that and, and join leadership and really make your face – known, put yourself out there. And it's not all about the external, but that said, I want to ask like, does the external play any part of it? Like not in what you look like or how you take care of yourself per se, but how you present yourself to the world. I mean, absolutely. You can't deny that. Like we're, you know, visual creatures, our, our brains process visual information 60,000 times faster than written text. Right. So polish, poise, presentation, style, those things matter, you know, and I, I don't want to, um, make people feel like, oh, I have to go run to the, to the mall or like pick up the Mm -hmm. latest fashion magazine. It's about really knowing and owning your look, owning that you have, you know, there has to be a level, I think of polish and poise, um, to create a sense of trust. And it doesn't mean you have to be square cookie cutters. Like I, in fact, love when people are original, stylish, one of a kind that own their look in their own unique way. It's really less about what exactly you're putting on your body and more about the way you own it. And Mm -hmm. that is, that's everything. Like the style isn't about clothes. Style is about energy. And Mm -hmm. And so that's just on the style front. I I think that, you know, if you think about it, like if you are going to give a big presentation or you have a big meeting that day, you're going to 
brush your hair, you're going to wash your face, you're going to, you know, get your nails right. Like, so you don't look like a hot mess, right? Because that's not, you know, a trustworthy, respectable brand. Fortunately, that's just the kind of the way it, it shows that you care, right? It shows mm-hmm. that it, it matters to you. And if it doesn't matter to you, then why would it matter to the people you're pitching to or asking to, you know, time, time with it's, it has to start with the sense of self respect Mm -hmm. and self care and a a sense of self, um, possession, right? Like you want to, you want to show that you're confident in yourself. And when you look good, you feel good. And when Mm -hmm. you trust yourself and you have that energy, people are going to trust you. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's just a, think of it this way. It's just like an immediate hurdle, right? Like you're going to walk into a room. It's human nature, not because we're bad people, but we're going to judge each other. We're going to, within the first five seconds, I'm going to make an assessment based on what you're wearing, how you're standing, how you speak, your body language, your articulation, just within the first five seconds. Mm -hmm. That's science. Mm -hmm. And then if you can get if you can establish based on a few key markers, that sense of trust, then your half your job is done. Then you've got to mm-hmm. say what you've got to say, but you've already grounded that room that you're a, a polished professional worth listening to. Right. Yeah. And you know, you bring up the five seconds. That's like an actual study for people listening. Mm-hmm. Like people get their first impression of you within the first few seconds of meeting you Correct. before you even have a chance to open your mouth. And so it's not about like, and this is what I wanted to to confirm and what you just said. It's not about what you're wearing or how you dress or your style. Style is so individual, you know, depending on, on what, just like what you're like, where you're from, like you know, it's all so different. It's not a universal thing. Um, that's just like very unique to each person. And I think that's really important to keep that unique to yourself and to show up in a way that you want to be seen. But that said, it's the polish, it's the poise, it's showing up like you care. If you don't care about yourself, why are other people going to care about you? Amen. You know, Amen. If you haven't showered in three days, <laughs> you go to, you know, like it's, it's that it's not about how you wear your hair. If you have the newest and latest, you know, no. whatever. But so I, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because I think that a lot of people do focus too much on the external, but they focus on the wrong part of the external, the external matters, but not maybe in the way that it's stereotyped to matter, but it really is about the internal, like we talked about, knowing your worth, knowing your value and, and having the confidence to make yourself seen in the world, building that brand about who you want to be and who you want the world to see you as. But Jessica, thank you so much for joining us here on Success Stories. I've honestly had the best time talking to you. Aww. I think that the the topic of self-worth is so important. Um, and I'm, I'm really like honored that you were able to share your story on here, that you were willing to share, you know, kind of that point of rock bottom and, and talk about that, because I think that unfortunately bottom is where a lot of people discover their worth. Correct. Um, and can move forward from there. So thank you for coming on here and talking about what it means to just be and where can people find you? Where can people get your book and stay connected? You're a beautiful interviewer, Madison, for real. Thank you for, oh, for having thank me. Thank you. I've loved this too. This was so fun. Um, you can find me. So you can you can come find me on Instagram. I'm, I'm very active there. I'm at Jessica Zweig. 
You can go to simplybeagency.com to learn more about our business and you can buy my book, Be a No Guide to Increasing Your Self-Worth and Your Net Worth by Simply Being Yourself. Wherever books are sold, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Target, support your local bookstores or everywhere. Well, thank you, Jessica, for joining us today. Uh, To our listeners, you're worthy, know your value. Go out and discover your personal brand today and we'll see you soon. This has been Success Stories with Madison Piper. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe, drop a review, and tell your friends. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, go to success.com slash podcasts.